Hello there, you've just landed in the hub of all things cinema, 25 Cent Film. Join us on an epic year-long odyssey through the captivating world of cinema. We're diving deep into each year of the 21st century to celebrate 25 years of movie magic. From unforgettable blockbusters to hidden gems, we're your ticket to the ultimate film journey. So grab your popcorn, settle into your seat, and get ready for the real deal with Armchair Critics. The show is about to begin. Greetings fellow movie lovers, welcome to 25 Cent Film, where we explore the world of cinema of the 21st century, one year at a time. I'm your host, McNeil Mulliken, and today I'm joined by my lovely girlfriend, Fiona Elsa. How are you, Fiona? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm good. It's good to see you. <laughs> I see you all the time. <laughs> I know. Um, so, today we're talking about movies in the year 2001, and uh, we'll get into the Oscars information, box office stats, and then we'll get into our top five lists. But um, one of the questions that I ask everybody on the show is, how would you describe your taste in movies or what kind of movie watcher are you? So take those questions how you will. How do you want to answer that? I would say my movie watching falls on a range um, from like like movies that are nostalgic for me, Mm -hmm. movies that are entertainment, and then movies that make me cry. And that is the extent of the movies I watch. And then there's like the ones outside of the bubble that are forced movies, movies that I watch with against my will. Um, a lot of the ones I make you watch. Yes. <laughs> um, and they're the ones that like other people make me like or want me to watch and I watch. And some of those fall into like the categories afterwards. But definitely like I'm a closed door movie watcher. I have a very rigorous process of narrowing down the movies I watch. Yeah. Well, you have like a group that you really like yeah. and you like to rewatch them. I'm obsessed a lot. Yeah. 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 And um, that's a big difference between you and me when we watch movies is you like to rewatch them all the time and I like to watch a movie once and then maybe revisit it a few years down the road cuz I always like to try to find something new. But we compromise and it works. Yeah. We do some rewatching and we watch some new stuff. Yeah. And it's fun. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of the movies I watch too are like background noise in a way for me. I'm a yeah. huge like I'm a multitasker. Um, if you I look in the dictionary, there's a Fiona photo, <laughs> a, Fiona, a photo of Fiona on the page yeah. for a multitasker. <laughs> um, and so movies are background noise for me. I cannot deal with silence. Silence kills. Yeah. Silence is a curse. Um, so for me, movies are kind of background noise, which is why I'm like a little bit obsessive and I watch like home alone like 400 times <laughs> yeah. in the month of december i think it was probably remove one of the zeros and you're probably about right yeah about 40 i would say times. about no i'd say about 50 yeah I watched, probably i watched through one through three probably like <laughs> a lot times <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah for me i i i don't mind the silence i don't need to have a movie in the background but i also can't watch a movie in the background I, I have to like actually sit and give it my complete devout attention in order to say that I've watched it 
Because yeah. there's some movies that you've, quote, shown me that I still say I haven't watched because they're background noise and we were either like doing Legos or something like that. And I just, I can't multitask. So. Yeah. Yeah. But um, anyway, so let's jump into Oscars information for uh, movies that came out in 2001, starting with Best Picture. Uh, do you know what won that year? Do you remember? No, I can't remember. A Beautiful Mind. Okay. Which is one that you should see at some point because I think you would actually really like it. It would classify for you under the it would make me cry category. Okay. So you probably only want to watch it once. But I think you would actually really like it because you like history and you like biopics. Yeah. So and I know pieces. it was one that we were going to watch and I just we didn't get to it. Yeah. But it was close. But yeah. we did get to it. We watched a lot of 2001 movies yeah. together. We did. Um, so the other nominees were Gosford Park. Uh, which I think you would also really like. I don't, but I I've think never, you would. I don't even think I've heard of that. It's kind of a murder mystery in a way, but it's also a period piece. Okay. It's right up your alley. I don't think two-year-old Fiona heard of that. Yeah. yeah. In the Bedroom, which is the only one here that I haven't seen, not familiar with it. Okay. Uh, well, I shouldn't say I'm not familiar with it. I'm familiar with it, just haven't seen it. Uh, the Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, which I know we're going to talk about later, and Moulin Rouge. Oh. So... I think it's a solid lineup. Yeah. I probably would have changed Gosford Park out for something else. I get why Moulin Rouge was nominated. I respect that movie. It's not my all-time favorite. I know you like it. I do like it. Um, but there are some others that I probably would have thrown in here instead. But uh, overall, it's a solid lineup, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. Um, best actor. Do you know who won? No, I don't. I want to say it's probably like... I don't know. I'm not going to guess. I don't want to guess. Denzel Washington and Training Day. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was, I think that is perfect. I think he totally deserved that, that, uh, award. I think he's probably the best. He probably gave the best performance that year yeah. in, in that movie, at least for me. Uh, and then the other nominees were Russell Crowe in a beautiful mind, which okay. that was going to be my guess since it won best picture. Yeah. Sean Penn and I am Sam, uh, Will Smith and Ali and Tom Wilkinson in, in the bedroom. Okay. Solid lineup here. This is a great group of actors, too. Uh, I don't think you really couldn't have gone wrong with any, but I think the right person won. Denzel definitely deserved it. Yeah. At least in my eyes. No, I, I agree. I just, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that movie later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, best actress. Uh, the winner was Halle Berry for Monsters Ball. Um, and then the other nominees were Judy Dench and Iris, Nicole Kidman and Moulin Rouge. Sissy Spacek, I think I hope I said her last name right, and in the bedroom, I think and then it's Sissy Spacek, I don't know, maybe, and then uh, Renee Zellweger and Bridget Jones Diary. Okay, okay, I definitely don't think Bridget Jones Diary should have. I mean, she was good in I mean, it, she was but good I wouldn't have it. expected that no. to have made it because no. it's more like a rom com type. Definitely not gonna win, obviously, yeah. but so yeah. I think Halle Berry is a phenomenal actress, and I think. Uh, I mean, all of these are, but I think Nicole Kidman would also have been a good choice too. Yeah. Moulin Rouge. She's really good in that. Yeah, for sure. And then for best director, uh, Ron Howard won for A Beautiful Mind. Okay. Uh, and then the other nominees. Yeah. The other nominees were Ridley Scott for Black Hawk Down, Robert Altman for Gosford Park, Peter Jackson for The Lord of the Rings or Fellowship of the Ring, and David Lynch for Mulholland Drive. Wow. Do I think the right person won? I mean, I like Ron Howard. I, lo I love A Beautiful Mind. I think 
it was a good nomination. I still would I would have given it to somebody else. I would. Who'd you have given it to? We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about it later. It's between two others, actually. I think Ron Howard would have been my third pick of that group. And I've seen all those movies. But there's one that would have been like, okay. It's the clear winner in my mind. But I know what he's talking about. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Um, so box office stats. Sometimes uh, the worldwide and domestic highest grossing film are the same as sometimes they're not. In the case of 2001, it is the same. Do you have any guesses? Lord of the Rings. No. Oh. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's oh, Stone. Yeah. Okay. We had this conversation and. Yeah. Oh, did we? I think we talked about this. You're probably right. Yeah. Because. Yeah. So worldwide, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone made 974 million, and then in the domestic box office, it made 317 million. So good chunk of money back then. Yeah. It would have done even more today. Yeah. But it's still back then. That's very good. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, some popularity information based on uh, Letterboxd. Um, the most popular movie and the highest rated movie, both are the same for Letterboxd. Do you have any guesses for this one? Is this one Lord of the Rings? No. Uh. Spirited Away. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm like tensed up right now. Um, I should have known. I should have known. It had a, has a 4.5 out of 5 average on um, on Letterboxd, and it's really high on their top 250 list of all time, I believe. The number of times we looked at the 2001 list. Yeah. I should have known. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, okay. Honorable mentions. I have The Majestic, which is a very, very criminally, criminally underrated Jim Carrey movie and A Beautiful Mind, okay. which I also think that's a phenomenal movie with one of, if not Russell Crowe's best performance. Yeah. What yeah. do you have? My, I have three because I can't decide. I'm indecisive. First one, Memento. Yeah. You showed me this movie. And I would say that this is one of those movies that falls in the outside the bubble category in terms of yes. I did not want to really watch this, but I did enjoy it once it was over. And it was very like <laughs> once twisty. Once it was over. No, 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 no. I mean, I just mean like yeah. by the end I was like, oh, yeah, this is yeah, kind of yeah, cool. Yeah. And then my other two are Spirited Away. Mm -hmm. This one is one of the ones I watched like. I don't even know when I first watched this. I think I watched this like during undergrad for the first time. Okay. And it was like, I watched it alone in my room at night and I was like, I want to watch something new. And the rare occasion that happens, yeah. it usually is something I've heard it's good. And all of my That's friends fair. loved it. And my sister loves like all of um, Studio Ghibli. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. So I watched that and then I have Moulin Rouge and this was originally in my top five, but then I had to knock it down a little bit. Um, and I will say that this movie was one of the ones where I was like, as a kid, I watched it mm -hmm. nostalgic, but then I also, I, I don't know. I like liked it when I was watching it as a child. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I say child, I think I was like seven maybe. Yeah. Um, which I don't think, I don't know if that's an appropriate movie to be watching as a seven year old, <laughs> but we'll get into that later. Yeah. Um, but it was like, I watched it as a seven-year-old. I liked it then. It was kind of cool and funky, but I could not focus for a long time because mm -hmm. it was just like so much happening all it's, the time. Yeah, that's Boz Lerman for you. Yeah. And then I, like, I think it was like the, what, the 2018 or, no, no, no. Yeah, it was, I think it was like the 2018 Olympics happened and one of the ice dances was to the, um, like, kind of mashup of a bunch of the songs from 
it was uh the canada ice dancing team it was yeah scott moyer and tessa virtue and i like fell in love with it like that ice dance amazing go watch I remember it you showed it to me one night like it's beautiful it's beautiful it's really cool beautiful um and it was like their final performance together and so i went back and watched the movie again and i was like oh my gosh this is amazing so i i occasionally have that happen where like a yeah. movie i didn't really enjoy as a kid comes back up and i love it later and yeah. then there's the, the movies that i like i'm obsessed about yeah as a child and into adulthood and we'll talk about a handful of those yeah. today. So you and I have a good idea of what's on each other's lists. I don't think... I, I I know the order of yours. Yeah. You don't know the order of mine. Not really. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how surprised you are by that. Uh, so we'll start with my number five, and then we'll go to yours, and we'll go back and forth in that same pattern. That way we can end with your number one, since you are the guest. Um, my number five is training day. <gasps> Directed by Anton Fuqua and stars Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke. Um, I think Training Day is such a well-written and intense crime thriller. I think every second of it is enthralling. Just when you think anything can't get worse, it does. And what's really cool about Training Day is that it's set over the course of an entire day. And it's Ethan Hawke's character's uh, named Jake Hoyt. His, it's his first day on the job, and he just so happens to be paired with Denzel Washington named Alonzo, who plays a corrupt narcotics officer. And Hoyt has his morality tested because Alonzo is forcing him to partake in these unethical situations. But I love seeing him stand strong in what he knows is right. Um, he's somebody to root for. He plays a very likable guy, and that's something Ethan Hawke is great at. I do like seeing him play the villain every now and then, though. I think he's great at that, too which he's been doing more recently, and I love it. Um, and then Denzel Washington, I think, also does an amazing job, like we talked about earlier, playing just such an uncompromising, ruthless, ruthless. egotistical character. One of the most <laughs> egotistical characters I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. Um, it's easily my favorite performance of his. I think he definitely deserved the Oscar, especially as he's just like one of the greatest actors ever. Um, love Denzel. Yeah. Love Denzel. Maybe not in this movie. But I do love Denzel. He doesn't play a likable guy, no. definitely. But like the I'm performance a, at least is. I'm a crier in Equalizer 3 girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I um, love me Denzel. Yeah. But no, I definitely like when we watched this movie, mm -hmm. it tensed me up to the point that I. You asked like, me to stop. I was like, I need it to pause for a second. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I can't do this. It's just like frustrating. Like, it is. I, it makes me so angry. I mean, I. Ugh. And you don't want a movie to make you feel like that. No, I want it like I don't, I don't mind, mind it. feeling like a little bit angry at some points, but I want there to be like revenge. Um, and at uh, the very end, there was revenge. Yeah, don't get me wrong, I loved it, and I was able to call it. Yes. Another thing with me is I like to guess the ends. Of She's freakishly good at predicting a movie early yeah. on. It's fun. It's kind of crazy. It's really fun. Nobody else can do it the way she does. It comes from me um, looking up the plot of the movie. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't do it. I don't do it. I anymore. Just, anymore. I don't do it anymore. But yeah. Um. No. I I called the ending. Yeah. Luckily, but I will say that like 
I was just like tensed up. It frustrated me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it was it was a really good movie because it had the power to do that to yeah, me. Yeah, I was going to say the movie did its job. Yeah, it did, yeah. did its job. But like, I was like, what the? Yeah. <laughs> it's... It's really good. I think I think uh, Anton Fuqua and David Ayer, the director and writer from the movie, they did an impeccable job with uh, creating this movie. I think they both have they both seem to have a really great understanding of this type of world and the people in it, and I think that clearly shows in the in the script. Yeah. Um, I think the dialogue is always interesting, and I think when the action happens, it's great and it's really brutal. Plus, like you said, the ending is very satisfying. I just think it's very gripping from beginning to end. And it's about two drastically different officers with conflicting moralities. It's just a traditional good versus evil movie, but like in a real world setting. And I think it's just fascinating to watch. Yeah. Totally. They captured the, I mean, they captured the characters nicely. I mean, they like got people to like, they got me to feel angry and I'm sure other people to feel angry. Oh, yeah. They got like the emotional. I mean, it was a really great movie it just yeah. yeah like it's just interesting to see that happen you know yeah. like it doesn't happen often anymore but like i feel like these types this, of movies yeah there's like those well yeah like the ones that really like get you like tensed up and yeah. like the action and like it was like a lot of moments where there was like tension on screen that was just like palpable like, and there's no break in no, it really no. it just it keeps it's, getting it's, worse like it's only one day that's what blew my mind yeah it's like one day training day yeah the yeah. single day <laughs> and it just like went first on the day entire on the job. movie i mean we like yeah it was definitely just it was a great movie but. yeah but not an all-timer for you no like definitely me. not yeah no yeah <laughs> all right what is your number five my number five is the princess diaries Hathaway and Julie Andrews um this was it falls into the nostalgia category for me yeah um a lot of the movies on my list do and at this point like I watched this probably when I was like in elementary school like five or six I think and I watched mm-hmm. it with my cousins when I was growing up and I obviously didn't watch it when it came out because I was like two years old but yeah. it was it's one of those movies that like I can put on in the background or I can like have on and it's just like nice to hear. Yeah. Um, I don't have much to say. I mean, I just like, I loved it as a kid. I loved the idea of being a princess. I mean, I fit the name Fiona. really nicely. Fiona. Fiona Elsa. Yeah. Fiona <laughs> Elsa. Um, pure coincidence. Yeah. But um, no, I think it was one of those movies that like, I just went back to a lot as a kid. I, I remember watching with all of my cousins, like, it was just something I like rewatched all the time. Yeah. yeah. This is one that I didn't grow up with. Yes. I, I grew up with my brother, yeah. Andrew. <laughs> and so the two of us weren't watching the princess diaries. <laughs> um, we were watching anything with explosions, anything with fights. Yeah. Um, not princesses, but you did watch least, it. Yeah. yeah. I, I did see it at one point and I think it was just cause it was probably the only thing on Disney channel yeah. or something like that at the time. Um, you and I rewatched it like yes. a month ago, probably yeah. almost. Yeah. Um, when we went to watch it, I wasn't sure if I had seen it, but then when we did, I was like, I've definitely seen this, this movie. Yeah. I thought it was charming. Like I enjoyed it. Um, it's one of those like good feel good movies. I mean, yeah, there's like yeah. points of like 
frustration for me. Like, there are points. I mean, it's such a high school movie to me because it's, like, set in high school. Mm -hmm. And there's, like, all these little clicky things. So there were points of, like, you know, high school tension. Not to the point of training day. But, like, there was definitely points where it was, like, frustrating. Um, But I also, like, will say that one of my favorite parts of it. I'm a, like, sensory person when I'm watching a movie. Mm -hmm. And I'll talk about this more with other movies on my list. But it has to be, like aesthetically pleasing to my eyes but then also like to my like brain i don't even know how to explain it it's like i like to watch movies that like have nice like like atmospheres yeah yeah like it kind of takes me to a place like takes me back to like when i was a kid watching these movies i like to reminisce is what i'm saying well i think it does a really good job at like playing with the early 2000s nostalgia because it feels like a movie that came out then but it also captures that setting well yeah too. yeah and plus i the I culture mean, and everything yeah i love julie andrews i think she's one of my favorite actresses she's i great. grew up watching sound of music so yeah. like that was definitely like watching her i mean like i grew up watching from like a young young age sound of music so watching this later on it was like nice to see her in a different setting yeah like, I just think she's also, like, someone who I feel like is one of my favorite actresses just because she's so, like, charming. Mm -hmm. She's really good in everything she does. Yeah, and she fits the characters really well. Like, she fit as Mary Poppins, but, like, she also fits as, like, the queen of Genovia. Yeah. Like, she has, like, this, She always has, like, this level of class that she breaks to everything. Yeah, She's just, like, I think, and especially in this movie, like, in Princess Diaries, she doesn't even seem like she's playing a character like she is playing herself yeah if you watch her in interviews she's that believable yeah she's that believable and in interviews like you watch her and she talks like this she like walks like that she dresses the same Mm. it's like she is just playing like herself in a movie as the queen yeah um but yeah and i also will say that like my one of my favorite scenes in that movie is the um part where they're painting um and they're just like popping the bubbles that's another thing it's like i love the like I mean, I, it's like the balloons filled with paint. It's so like specific, but I loved that scene growing up, and I love yeah. it now. It's like when you talk about when Anne Hathaway's with her mom. Yeah, with yeah, her mom. Yeah. With her mom, and like I also the love the cat in it, like the cat. Yeah. <laughs> Fat Louie. Yeah. Fat Louie was cool. Yeah, Fat Louie, and then yeah. I loved her room. I mean, I'm just like everything about it is just so yeah perfect. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's just not my favorite. No. So which I mean, probably it's understandable. Isn't, isn't shocking. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, especially like when once once we get through this list, like you'll see, like I definitely have a taste in movies and the Princess Diaries. While I can acknowledge it's a good movie, isn't my cup of tea. Yeah, you know, you're not, not sitting around. It's not watching, a bad movie. Yeah. I still gave it like I'd still say it's like a seven out of ten. Yeah, but it's not a nine out of ten or something. You know, <laughs> you're not sitting. We're around talking watching about princess movies. Yeah, <laughs> by all, yourself. all of my top five are like <laughs> nines out of tens. I would say this is like I don't okay. And then the thing about me is I won't rate any of my nostalgic movies on mm-hmm. a level of one through 10. It's a movie that I'll just like always have up there. Yeah. It's not a five. It's, it might not be a 10 out of 10, like in any way, but it's a 10 out of 10 in my mind because yeah. it's like nostalgic. I yeah. Nostalgia. Nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> so my number four is Memento. Yeah. 
uh, my favorite director, Christopher Nolan, love the guy, stars Guy Pierce as the main character. It's also got Carrie Ann Moss in there, too. Um, Memento, I will say, since we are doing 2001 movies, online it's listed some places um, as being released in 2000. Uh, but that was the Venice Film Festival premiere. I didn't learn that until I was doing some research about 2000 and 2001 movies. And originally Memento was on my 2000 list. And I was like, wait, I actually read further into it. I was like, it came out in the United States and it's got its, it got its wide release in March of 2001. So that made me redo all my lists. <laughs> um, so anyway, Memento is directed by Christopher Nolan. My favorite, like I just said. Um, and Memento is one of the first of, or is the first of many Christopher Nolan films I will be talking about on this podcast. Um, this is the movie that gave Christopher Nolan some recognition. He had a very small, low-budget, independent film in the late 90s. But Memento, while not a huge movie, is the film that started to put eyes on Nolan as a director. Um, it definitely still has that indie film feel to it, especially compared to most of his films that came after this. Um, but the main reason this movie was so impressive when it came out and still is today is because of its narrative structure, which you seem to really like when we watched it. It follows the main character, Leonard, played by Guy Pierce, uh, who suffers from a form of amnesia, which causes short-term memory. And his wife was murdered and he's trying to find the killer to get his revenge. He uses notes, notepads, or he uses notes, Polaroids and tattoos to remember things. And because of because of this, the story is structured in a way that really has never been done before. And one timeline, which is in color, is moving backwards while the black and white is moving forwards. And it all meets in the middle for the climax, which I think is just pure writing brilliance. Yeah. Um, and so you seem to really like that structure. I did. I thought it was interesting. I thought that it was like I, w- I never knew what to expect. And I liked how it kind mm-hmm. of rewinded and then like went forward yeah or rewound um and went forward like it had this like kind of slinky effect in my mind yeah like it was like bouncing back and forth and it was kind of interesting to follow and it was like interesting to kind of make the connections that were as i was going of like what in what parallel like in what timeline is happening like yeah or like kind of piecing together the timeline yeah um I really enjoyed it. I thought the plot twist like at the end was very interesting. Mm -hmm. I kind of was like, whoa, because I mean, this entire time he's like telling the story Mm -hmm. of something else that happened. And then it ends up like coming back at the end and being like this humongous plot point, which is just very interesting. I would say it's it's one of those movies that requires multiple watches to fully comprehend it. And I like I said earlier, I don't rewatch movies a lot, so I yeah. don't watch this movie often. But when I do, it's like I'm going back for the first time and still piecing everything together. Um, so it's 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 just it's fun to go back and watch it. I think I think though, it shows that from early on in Christopher Nolan's career that he has this really interesting ability to think outside of the box Mm -hmm. to tell original complex and intellectual stories, which I love. Um, and in the, uh, the case of memento, I think the structure perfectly captures what the main character is going through with his short term memory loss. Yeah. And Nolan is really good with reimagining plot structures in a way that complements his characters and, and world building. Yeah. One thing that I will say is like during this movie, I was like, constantly changing my perception of people yeah like constantly being like what the yeah like like at one point 
you see the scene happen earlier, but you only see like the last third of it. Um, and I don't know if I can like say what it is, but um, you can. I mean, it's a yeah. it's a it's a twenty three year old. He's movie having at this, this point. like conversation with someone. Um, I can't remember her name in it. Natalie, I think. Yeah, Natalie. He's having a conversation with Natalie. They're fighting and they're angry, and he hits her, and then she leaves. Yeah, and I thought you, that's the scene you were gonna bring out. Yeah, and she leaves, and at this point is where like you see it earlier in the movie. You see the scene start is where he's ser- searching for a pad of paper, a pad of paper and a pen to write down what just happened. Um, and I was constantly like, I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like, and, and in the beginning when I saw this, when I saw like him, like searching for a pad of paper, I was like, oh, he's just like looking to write something down. Like he heard something or saw something. Yeah. But yeah. then like <laughs> when you see it all put together, it's like he hits Natalie, she leaves and she goes and sits in the car and watches him. Cause she knows what's going to happen. She knows what's going to happen. Yeah. And he's searching for a pad and paper and he keeps looking at her. He's like, don't forget, don't forget. And he's saying all this stuff in his head. He's saying, don't forget, don't forget, pat, pen and paper, pen mm-hmm. and paper. And it's just like, <sighs> and yeah. then she walks back in and she's like distraught. And she's like, he hit me. Yeah. And you're like, and like, that's where you see, I mean, I, I was just like, and he's and like. And what's interesting is that's what you saw before it all happened. Yeah. So that's why so, it keeps going backwards. It's like every scene, like the scene that comes after the one that's moving backwards is yeah you're just seeing it move backwards yeah you're so seeing- it's hard to explain because like the end of this the scene that follows when it came before it ends where the last one ended you're seeing like five minute snippets yeah and you're seeing them like you're seeing them and then you're rewinding and then you're seeing them the next little five minute snippet and then you're rewinding again and seeing the next five minute snippet it's like you're yeah. constantly rewinding so like when she walks back in he has no idea what's happened and he's already forgotten and yeah. it's like Oh my gosh. Like <laughs> yeah. at that point I was like, you know, like ah, yeah. I was like, are well, you Well, it makes sense when you talk about it changes your perception of people. It's like his perception of people has to be changing all the time because of his condition. Yeah. You know, so it's just it's fascinating to watch cuz it's like you when you're watching it, you feel like you have short-term memory loss like the way he does and I think I think Christopher Nolan um achieved his goal with this movie very well. Yeah. For that. I think it's cool to go back in this day and age and see Nolan working at the beginning of his career and how this movie really defined his style and signature tropes. Um, I wouldn't say it's my all time favorite film of Christopher Nolan's, but it's still a fantastic movie. Obviously it's on this list and I get why it would be somebody's number one or even top, top three Christopher Nolan movies as I know people and I've seen plenty of lists that, and this would be way up there for them. Um, it's not quite there for me in terms of his overall filmography, but I don't think he's made a bad movie at all. He's never even come close to making a bad movie in my mind. No. Um, but this one is still fantastic. I would still go like 9 out of 10. Yeah. A lot of his movies are at least 8.5, 9. For yeah. Me, some even higher, which we'll get to in other episodes. Um, but yeah. So Memento, that's, that's my number four. What's your number four? My number four is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> So 
Wait, this one, um, again, I grew up with it. It was like comfort movie for me. I mean, my sister, Anna, was obsessed, or still is, obsessed with Harry Potter. I was one of the children who refused to read. Um, so I never read the books, but I watched the movies with her when we were growing up together. And it was just like, it's just like comfort to me. And I also will say that I feel like this is one of those movies that like, you know, transcends time. Like everybody loves it. It's the first Harry Potter movie. You get introduced yeah. to like all these characters and all these personalities. And like, I think it's just so interesting to watch. And then I also will say that I think it's like something that like was popular then. Don't get me. I mean, like obviously popular than it like was. Oh, it was the highest grossing yeah. film. Yeah. Um, of the year. But I also think it's like popular now and it comes up in weird ways. Like um, the some, TikTok thing. You yeah. Were telling the TikTok. Me about. Yeah. So um, on TikTok. So one of the scenes in the movie and this is like at the very end. And I mean, I'm sure everyone's seen this movie. So um, but like they're in the like what the caverns below Hogwarts after mm-hmm. like escaping the dog and you know they're playing this giant chess game where they're like riding the you know pieces and it on tiktok it just like blew up this one scene because in it it's just like rupert grint is like talking like not me not hermione you and it's just like everybody (laughs) like that just like one line one line blew up like yeah and not even just that one It's line. a very like, memorable moment, too, yeah, though, which yeah. I think is probably why. Because it's, like, right before he gets, like, knocked off this, like, humongous, I, I, I think it was a humongous horse or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, And he's, like, knocked to the ground, and Hermione's tending him, um, tending to him, and, like, Hermione, I mean, Harry has to go on and defeat, like, yeah. It was definitely just, like, that blew up on TikTok. I mean, it was, like, that, and that one line was, like, all over my tiktok for like a few months last year yeah in 2023 and then like also in not just that one line but i feel like in that entire scene is just like so like funny and i also will say that i think that entire movie to me is one of the another one of those movies that's just like it's just like comforting and like i love the like christmas scene where yeah harry's getting these presents from like ron's mom like she sent him something which yeah. is just so sweet and like he gets the cloak i mean it's just like all these different little things and yeah. i i just like love watching it it's and it's seeing like the friendship come together and then those like sassy little remarks to um malfoy at the beginning where he's like i think i can do- decide on what friends i or who I, I think i can decide what friends i want or who's a better friend like you know yeah. making like these funny little things it's just like so good to see because like it's like you see the progress of all these little kids that like went into this movie not knowing what would happen yeah and then they like end up being like stars from it yeah like this was like the beginning of a lot of their like careers yeah i i love the harry potter franchise i didn't come around to it until i was a little bit older i didn't grow up with it like you did and i'm envious of that (laughs) because i wish i did i wish i had that nostalgia for it but i still feel like i kind of do just like seeing everybody else's nostalgia for it. i just kind of like feed off of it yeah enviously um but eventually i did grow up uh once i grew up i eventually watched them and i love these movies uh i wouldn't say this one is my favorite it's, it's not definitely towards the bottom either. for me, but I still really yeah. enjoy it. I think there, I mean, there's only one I don't like, which is Chamber of Secrets. I don't, I don't, I don't hate it. It's just, it's just not as it's a chore to sit through. Yeah. It's slower. And I think like with that one, it was, it's just not as like, 
Yeah. It's something about it. It's just like kind of a replication so, of like the first that's one, exactly but like what a I was gonna slightly say. different. Like yeah. it's like the first one, but in a different language. Like it's just a rehash yeah. of everything. Yeah. Um, I think there are parts of both of them that I like individually, and I think like this is definitely not my favorite Harry Potter movie. Um, but I think with this one, it was like the first one I watched as a kid. Mm-hmm. It's what I grew up with. I mean. I remember my sister and our friends would all make like fake Hogwarts letters. We would run around our basement. I mean, yeah. my sister had all the like fake wand, like the actual wands that you buy. She had like those really nice like ones growing up and we would like pretend to like go cast spells with each other yeah. in our, my backyard and like run around with this like blanket that looked like the invisibility cloak. And like <laughs> we would do all these things that like I just think about when I watch this movie and it's yeah. just like, God. I think this movie did a, did its job perfectly. Like I said, it may not be my favorite, but I think it it definitely achieved its goal because like it establishes the world. The yeah. world building is done flawlessly. Like it introduces you to every little detail. And mm-hmm. some people may go back and say this is a little slower compared to some of the others, but it's introducing you to everything. All the characters, all the settings, all the places, everything. And I think all the technical aspects really complement that too. Like without these really amazing I guess um, practical effects for a good chunk of the movie. The, I don't think it would have worked as well as it did. Like, yeah. like just the the Hogwarts setting, like Hogwarts the, setting. I mean, I mean, the you're production right. design. Like, we went. I mean, like with that movie, like we went to each individual spot. Like we went to Gringotts. We went to mm-hmm. Diagon Alley. We went to like. I mean, we didn't we didn't go to Ron's house yet, but like we went to all these different like we went to like um, Privet Drive. I mean, like yeah. we went to all these like little spots, and we went to like the forest to Hagrid's hut like I mean all these little spots yeah. and it's like it sets you up for the movie and I'm a huge fan of like movies that set you up for things like yeah. the backstory the beginning like it's just so like nice to see and I think like I mean I'll talk about this like more as we go along through my movies mm-hmm. but like I just love like original movies like the first one of something is always I feel like the best because yeah it's you just, like, like origin stories yeah because you just like and I like the endings too Mm-hmm. But, like, I think with the beginnings, you just get to see these, like, characters interacting for the first time. And there's more detail there's to more pay detail, attention to, which like, you like. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm a history nut, and so, like, that to me is just, like, the history of the movie. Yeah. And the history of the series. And for someone who didn't read the books, like, growing up, I read them afterwards, like, in undergrad. Um, it's definitely, like, one of those movies that, like, allowed me to kind of meet everybody mm-hmm. and meet them in different ways and kind of yeah. see how they interacted together. It was really nice to see. And you're also very highly detail oriented. Yeah. And and I think this first movie had to get all these details right. Yeah. And that the rest of them could kind of piggyback off of like the costume designs, the set designs. John Williams score. Yeah. Is amazing. Oh. John Williams. Oh, I love him. <laughs> I have said that this is the home alone of um, Harry Potter movies or I like I mean the soundtracks are so similar mm-hmm. that's I think another reason why I love it is I'm a I love home alone you and do yeah. I love home alone love it like yeah. if I could emphasize it more I would <laughs> but like this to me it's just like I love the music I love every part of it it's just it's so nice like yeah it's like comforting i love dumbledore i mean like this actor wasn't able to i mean he only did the first two movies so it's like yeah he passed away yeah and from and then my sister who has read the books has said that she likes that dumbledore more like she thought that he fit the character better and i almost agree like after reading the books it's 
he had this like wiser i mean i was talking about this with you the other night yeah the other night where it was just like he's he was wiser he was like he just had he a was more subtle. calm, yeah, like a calm energy radiating from him. And he still had these like funny moments where he like, you know, ate like one of the jelly beans at the end and, yeah. you know, all these like fun little moments, but he like was comforting and was like more of a like, you know, father figure in a way to Harry, like mm-hmm. that I enjoyed. Like, I think, I think the other one had his moments like still where he was still comforting. And, and like, I liked him a lot. too. Yeah, I, I did too. And I. I have no ill feeling towards either of them. I think it's just that like the first one to me, he fit the moment, I think really well. Like I think he fit those two movies so nicely because he was like comforting and he was like introducing them to the world or Harry to the world of like Hogwarts and to magic and all this stuff that like, that's what Harry needed in the moment. I think the other movies, the um, like second Dumbledore makes such a like, makes sense then yeah because he like yeah. i don't know i don't know what the word is but he's like goofier and more serious like mm-hmm. he's got the moments where he's like more serious and he's like still like a watchful eye on harry but like you can tell there's like this internal tension more with yeah. him yeah like, in later movies as he's like you know figuring all these things out and having to deal with all this like stuff like yeah. all this underlying tension yeah it's they're all good movies but the first one definitely was on my had to be on my list yeah what one of the things you said i want to go back to you said that um you're a big home alone fan which i know but the what's interesting to me about the connection to that movie in this one is the director chris columbus yes that's his actual name people chris columbus (laughs) um he is i think a very unique director in that he can get a lot out of child actors yeah and i think without him this movie and this whole franchise wouldn't be the way it is today. Because if you think about having all these little kids at the time working on a movie set for a huge movie and the fact that he got all of them to cooperate is kind of crazy. Yeah. You know, and that he got as good of performances out of them that he did. He did they weren't they weren't job. known yeah, no. before. They, they were just kind of hand picked. They were I mean, they were truly children. Like yeah. the age, like all this stuff, like they were just they were children. They were new to the, like, area. I mean, it's just so interesting. What was the other... We watched another movie The recently. Goonies. The Goonies. He wrote that movie. He, he didn't direct it, movie, though. He wrote the movie, but, I mean... But still, still he was involved. Like, still involved. Like, still another great movie with another, like, great group of kids. Um, and I think, like, now watching, like, seeing them, like, even further along than, like, people in Harry Potter, like, you see that those people have had even, like plentiful careers like yeah i mean this entire like the first harry potter just sets like had such a like tone set for it like did a great job with everything and i mean it might not have followed the book perfectly and like i'm sure there's people out there going (laughs) but um it was one of those movies i just had to like include and it was just so perfect yeah yeah i i just i think chris columbus has a really good knack for working with with child actors like we talked about home alone and and um uh, the Goonies and Harry Potter, but he also did like Mrs. Doubtfire oh, and yeah. the first uh, Percy Jackson. Um, so, so he's like, he's yeah. got, that's like a staple for yeah. him is, and he's great at that. And I think that's something without him, this movie wouldn't have worked as well as it did. Yeah. Um, and again, like those, all those actors and all those movies like went on to have like pretty good careers yeah. or like transitioned into something else in the entertainment industry. Yeah. Like, 
one of the actors in um, The Goonies, like, is no longer an actor, but he is now, like, I think he manages, um, he is, like, does entertainment management and also does, mm-hmm. like, is a lawyer. I mean, like, it's just, like, so interesting to see how, like, these, act- I mean, these movies, like, set up people's lives. And, like, yeah. it's so fun to, like, see the backstory behind, like, all these series that we all now know and love. Yeah, absolutely. So, speaking of origin stories and big franchises my number three is the lord of the rings the fellowship of the ring which i think we will be talking about in a little while so we'll higher up on my list uh so yeah yeah we'll talk about that later (laughs) so what's your number three my number three is serendipity starts out i'll give like a short synopsis of the plot um it starts out with this these two random people like meeting over a pair of gloves in a department store each one wanting it for their wanting the pair of gloves for their significant other um and it's like it shows them throughout the night having these like interactions and getting to like know each other and like going to serendipity which is a restaurant or kind of like a cafe up in new york yeah and like it's just so fun to see. And then like having these moments where they're going and they're going to have um, like they're trying to like see if they're fated to be together or like meant to be together. And the woman in it, um, Kate Beckinsale. Yeah. Um, she's like the one that's like spearheading it. She's like, I believe in fate. Like it's if it's not fated to be, we won't land on the same floor on this hotel. And then this like and then John Cusack, like he hits all these like obstacles like yeah a kid dressed as a devil getting on the elevator (laughs) and pushing all the buttons and it's so frustrating because like you watch it happen and you're like he selected the same floor as her but then this little kid with a freaking devil costume gets on the elevator and pushes all the buttons and then she she leaves before yeah so like it's just like and then watching them like have i was very frustrated oh yeah parallel lives like basically like having all these like possible chances to meet again and then not doing it and then like all these different little things and then i mean at the end of the night um they had like written on a five dollar bill and on the inside of a book like their names and their numbers and they said if it comes back to us and she was like if it comes back to me like if this five dollar bill comes back to me we're meant to be together and he's like okay if this book comes back to me we're meant to be together. And then like yeah. it shows their lives like five years down the line or something like that. Like or two years down the line. I can't remember how However long. many. Yeah. yeah. And it's like they I mean, sh- he's engaged like he's about to get married and he still thinks about her because every si- t- single time he walks by a bookstore, he goes in to see if the same book has her number on the inside of the cover of the cover. Yeah. Um, and then she's like living in California or portland or oregon or washington i can't remember which one it somewhere was. in the west coast yeah it was somewhere on the west coast um and she's like dating the singer or this i can't remember what he is he's like some weird instrument player yeah. i can't remember but they're having all these moments and she finally comes back to new york for some reason mm-hmm. with her best friend and 
like he's getting married and ends up being that the best friend of the girl of Kate Beckinsale's character um, is is the old RA of the fiance of yeah. John Cusack's character. Yeah, it's yeah. like all these crazy moments. And so like Beck- Kate Beckinsale meets the fiance, but then like doesn't realize that he's the one that she's getting married to. And it's just like, gosh. And then you get to the like towards the end, like. John Cusack's fiance gives him a gift mm-hmm. to say, like, I love you. I'm excited to get married to you. And it's the book. Like, it is the book. Um, and you're sitting there like, and it's just like the music is like building the tension. It's like a clock ticking or something like that. It's yeah. just like building the tension. And then he opens the book and there's her name. And the fiance's like, I got you this because every time we go by a bookstore, you walk in and you look for this book. And it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, holy crap. Um, and then like, and then at the very end, like she finds, uh, Kate Beckinsale finds the $5 bill on the plane. I mean, it's just like all these moments. And then they have these like near misses, like every single time it's like near miss on near miss. Yeah. yeah. Like she gets in the cab right before he comes out or he gets in like, he goes inside right before. I, it's just like, gosh, like. And so finally, at the very end, they come back together. Yeah, and they do end up. It's got to be that way for a rom com. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. But it's like really great movie. I mean, I watched it again as my as a kid. Like my mom watched it all the time. She loves that movie. Um, she went to that cafe when she went to mm-hmm. New York. Like you know, it's just like something I relate back to my mom. And I think it's like such a great movie. Yeah. Um, and you really liked it. I did. I did. It was one of the first movies. It, that. <laughs> yeah. We watched it. I, I'm pulling up my letterbox diary. So we watched it back in September, 2023. And, uh, because you and I have generally speaking, Oh, completely different taste in movies. I would say, opinions. I think we're, we have the most overlap as rom-coms. Yeah. It seems. And I had, this was one I hadn't seen, but one that you and your mom love. And this was like the first movie that you had showed me that was one of your favorites that I was like all on board with. Yeah. Um, And so like the elevator scene you talked about just a few minutes ago, that was like you said you could see me getting like physically frustrated and like like, actually like the movie was doing its job because I was reacting the way it was wanting me to. Yeah. And I felt like like I just really liked the concept. I liked the whole theme of fate and everything. And I know that can be a kind of cheesy trope for a lot of rom-coms, but I think this one does it very they nicely. Play it nicely. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's true fate. It's not, and it was, I mean, it was, I think it's nicely cause it was played out in a way that people can relate to. Yeah. It wasn't like overly done. Like they weren't like, I mean, it wasn't she Hallmark. Moved, no, no, no. And it like, it wasn't like, you know, they moved to the same town or something like that. Yeah. It's like he lives in New York. She lives across the country in on the West Coast. Like and it come they come together in such a like interesting way. And it it's so fun to see because like you see all these like near. I mean, I'm talking the near misses in this movie are crazy. Yeah. Like all these points where they could have seen like could have seen each other. Yeah. Or could have like had an interaction and just didn't. And the way they met too is just so interesting to watch because it's like, yeah. I mean, they're in a department store and they start fighting over a pair of gloves and then they from there go and get coffee. Like it's just so it's so f- interesting because you're like, that's just that's interesting to see how that love works is like they felt so comfortable with each other that they went and got coffee afterwards like after fighting over a pair of gloves and sears yeah i mean it's just like well i thought john cusack and kate beckinsale had really good chemistry yeah together um 
and I thought both their characters were very likable. I, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was a is a top tier rom com yeah. for me. Like if I had a ranking of some of my favorite rom coms, it'd be top five, top ten. It's a I'd good say. like Christmas rom com too. too. Yeah. Like it's a nice like winter like imagine drinking a hot chocolate while you watch this movie is yeah. what I always think. Like yeah. it's I a very yeah. It's a nice like winter. It's, it's delightful. It's I'd delightful. Say. Yeah. Yes, it is delightful. <laughs> yeah. And now an intermission. Want more content from 25 Cent Film? Dive deeper into the world of 25 Cent Film by connecting with us on Instagram. Our Instagram isn't just a feed. It's a community of film lovers like you. Check out the behind the scenes of our episodes and get sneak peeks into the fascinating stories behind your favorite films, discover hidden gems, and join the conversation with fellow film enthusiasts. So if you're looking for more than just the audio experience, follow 25 Cent Film on Instagram. Your cinematic adventure continues beyond the podcast. 25 Cent Film, where we explore the world of cinema in the 21st century, one year at a time. Finally, don't forget to follow or subscribe to 25 Cent Film wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a five-star rating and a review. And now, back to the show. Okay, so my number three is... Oh, sorry. My number two. That was your number three. Yes. My number two is Mulholland Drive. So earlier when we talked about who should have won for the director, yes, I would have gone with David Lynch I from Mulholland Drive. We were gonna say that. I, I think <laughs> he directed this movie masterfully. I think this movie is is incredible. And I should also say my top two, this movie and my number one, are top fifteen movies for me of all time. Yeah, I love these ne- these two movies I'm about to talk about. Um, but Mulholland Drive specifically, I think I think David Lynch is just I think he's a great director. I don't love all of his movies, but this one is this is my favorite of his by far. Um, it's got Naomi Naomi Watts starring as the main character. Um, I watched this movie for the first time a few years ago, and it instantly became an all time favorite of mine. You didn't even realize I hadn't seen it on a, on a second time yeah, since you, you and I since I showed it to you. Watched it once. <laughs> you watched it once. <laughs> And you said, this is it. This is one of my favorite movies yeah. of all time. That's just so crazy that, to me. But I'm that's like, how I watch movies. Like, <laughs> I, I, I watch a movie for the first time, and if I like it that much, I'm like, yeah. Because that's, I'm always, when I watch movies, I'm always searching for that. It's like a high. Yeah. I'm constantly searching for it. And this movie gave that to me. McNeil, you, like, you watch this movie, and I'm not kidding, after we watched it, because we did watch it. This yeah. was one of the ones I have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, we watched it, and... You sat there for like, we sat there for close to, I would say close to an hour yeah. afterwards. Oh, yeah. Looking up stuff about it. Yeah. And that's, and what, that's what I love. I love it. I love I, it. I, to be honest, I watched this movie. I was a little <laughs> like. The whole time you were like, what is this movie? What is happening? And and that was me What's when I first watched on? it. And then um, once it was explained, I was like, Why? why yeah um i but i think it also because you're so good at like figuring a movie out it drove and me there have been movies that we've watched and i'm like how did you figure like i i i'd already seen it, i was showing it to you and you're like you'd figured it out I yeah was like, how but like this was prestige. one that like it, it i think it stumped you a little bit yeah 
this movie stumped me a lot of it. Um, <laughs> I was so frustrated. I mean, it was just, I wasn't frustrated. Frustrated is the wrong word. I think I was just confused. No, yeah, that's I what like, I was going to say. What's yeah. happening? But I think that's everybody when they watch yeah. it. And I think that's what's interesting because I was so confused watching it. And then after I saw it for the first time, I started piecing things together in my mind. I thought about it for days. Yeah. And that's what I like. If a movie can make me think about it for days and like just completely take over my mind. Yeah. Then, it, then it, that's an all timer for me. And that's what this movie did. It haunts me like in the best possible way. Yeah. Um, I got like close to guessing the plot. You got, you did have some really good guesses. I was so close. So close. And I think one of your guesses is actually one of the interpretations you can read about yeah. online. It's not the one that I subscribe I to, the parallel was. realities. Yeah. I don't completely subscribe to that. I, no. I get it, but it's not, that's not yeah. what I see. No. It. And after watch, after thinking back on it, like I don't see that either. But I also will say that some of the, this movie was like one of the ones where I was like, okay um why because there were like weird reference i mean like in it there's a blue box and <laughs> the blue box drove you crazy the blue box <laughs> this blue box is throughout the entire movie it's just a blue box like mm-hmm. a bright blue box I, I will say i think i know where you're going with this i think it's not just a symbol for that one thing i think it's a symbol for a few things i'm sure it is like but it's it, like the doorway from the dream yeah. and everything i think but it's also like in the real world <laughs> i think it's like it was supposed to be like a metaphor for, I think, maybe drugs or no, something. No, yeah. That's what was said online. Is like, all I read was, the blue box means drugs. And yeah. I'm like, what? Like, a blue box. Why a blue box? Like, what? The blue and, pill. Yeah, I know. I was <laughs> like, what is this? What is happening? A blue box is drugs? Yeah. Um. Yeah, okay. Okay. I love this movie. It's just, it's so good. <laughs> I'm sure if I watch it again, I'll enjoy it more now that I know what yeah, it's about. Yeah, because when as soon as you and I turned it on, and you, like I said, you didn't even realize that I hadn't hadn't seen it more than once, yeah. and I was like, oh my god, that made so much more sense on a rewatch. And you're like, you haven't seen this yeah. twice. <laughs> well, no, and it was like now thinking back on it, I'm sure I'll like. You might like it. I'll, more. I'll like it more probably, and I'll probably understand it more. But I was also just like the entire time like confused. Yeah, like, it was like and. McNeil, you explained this to me afterwards, but that mm-hmm. this was supposed to be a pilot for a TV series. For a TV it was series. originally written that way. Yeah. And after you said that, like the entire time at the beginning, I was thinking, okay, this is so 90210, Melrose Place. It just looked like, you know, an old 1990s, like yeah. 19, slightly 1980s, 1990s. Like, well, I think David Lynch started writing it in, it's either 98 or 99. I don't remember what year it was that I read about, but one of those two years he started, he started writing yeah, it. Yeah. So I like, I got that instantly. Like, yeah. I mean, at the part where they're in the apartment building, like I was like, yeah. this is so Melrose Place, like with the like screen door. I It was just... Mm-hmm. I instantly was like, this seems like a TV show. Like, and it would make more sense as a TV show. And I kind of wish it was a TV show. Yeah. I might enjoy it more if it was a TV show. Well, David Lynch is also good at that because he did Twin Peaks. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it has a similar vibe yeah. in ways. Cause I've seen, I haven't, I never finished Twin Peaks, but I watched a good chunk of it and it's got, I mean, he, he can make a good TV show. Yeah. So I think I would enjoy it more if it was a TV show, but I think I was just like struggling the entire time. I was like, I need to make sense of this. And why can I not make sense of this? Yeah. My brain is like always searching for the solution. Yeah. And. Was it killing you to not look at the answers while you were watching? Yeah, it, <laughs> it was killing me. I did. I, I did enjoy it though. I think 
I won't say it was one of my favorite movies at all. I, and I figured it wouldn't be. At all. Yeah. But I will say I would like to watch it again because I feel like I'd enjoy Like, I would understand it more. Okay. And, like, it might be something that I can, like, go back and rewatch. Yeah. But. I want, if we watch it again, I want to watch it with somebody else who hasn't seen it. That way. Michael. Yeah. Who will be on the Michael next episode. <laughs> I'm calling you out. <laughs> Um, so I think David Lynch did, did an incredible job at creating such a strange atmosphere with this movie that makes audiences just feel uneasy because yeah. it's obvious that something isn't quite right. Yeah. Like you feel like for a while that you're in like some form of reality, but then it's like something isn't natural no. here. I think it's also structured brilliantly because Lynch structures the film by dropping hints from the beginning, even like just for the audiences to catch, but like before the credits, even the beginning credits even start. And then he takes them on this journey, and then he spends the last 20 to 30 minutes forcing them to rethink everything that they just saw. Yeah. It's like one long, drawn-out plot twist, and it's so fascinating because I would be like, watch this part. It's really important. And you were like, oh, is that it? Is this re- reveal? I'm like, no, there's more to the reveal. Like, it's just long It's a long reveal. It's a long reveal, and there are, like, little hints that you have to, like, think back on, like the blue key sitting on the table yeah. and what that means. And then also, like... During the first half of the movie, I could just tell that something was weird about it because the interactions between everybody seemed forced. Like, it seemed like actors acting out interactions. Like, the yeah. way Naomi Watts was, like, talking with, um, like, another one of the characters, the way she, like, interacted. She, it just seemed too, like, perfect. And she seemed too, like, it just seemed too perfect. And then I think also in the beginning, I was, like, another thing that, like, kind of threw me for a loop was, like, I was like, what time period is this set in? Yeah. I was like, it was like a mix of things because the costuming was like a mix of like the 50s and 60s. And then we've got like a little bit of the seven. I mean, it was just like and in the modern 70s day, early and then modern 2000s. day, early 2000s. Yeah, exactly. It was just like, what is happening? Head trippy. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, adding to just the weird atmosphere of the movie, Angelo, I think I'm going to botch his last name, but we'll give it a shot. You got um, this. Battle Lamenti, I think. That's the composer. Nailed it. But yeah, Angelo Badalamenti's score is is really dark and it um feels really suspenseful. Um, but even in scenes when there's not music, it's still incredibly tense, yeah. I think. Um and it all of this just adds to this weird mood of the film. Um and like it makes I was saying you uneasy. Yeah, and even like when like I was saying when when the when there's like a tension without the music, it just kind of creates this anxiety in yeah. you. Um, plus, I also think the soundtrack of the like the pre-existing songs, I think they're selected very brilliantly because they play very eerily in the like the respective scenes, and they're each just like very haunting. Especially that theater scene, that theater scene where there's the the woman singing, yeah, so good, so good. Um, the set designs and the lighting, I think, also create a very like odd and distinct imagery, yeah, um, that enhance this like dreamlike nature of the story. So I think the look in the film or the look in the feel of the film is so memorable. And then again, especially the theater, which I think is the, I just think it's the best scene in the movie. Um, the performances, like you talked about, you remember how you said that, that you felt like they were, they seemed a little forced. Yeah. I feel like the performances are very complex because most of the actors have to play their characters in two ways. Like yeah. the actors have to play their characters in a way we're believed to perceive them. And then there's like this total 180 mm-hmm. in each of them. And after this like long or during the whole reveal process, I think Naomi Watts gives the best performance of her career, at least from what I've seen in this movie. I think she's phenomenal in it. And I, I also, she's yeah, she's really good. And I've seen her at a good chunk of movies. And I, this one's just 
the one that always stands out to me. I also love how David Lynch gives the perfect amount of ambiguity to the mm-hmm. movie, leaving the audience with enough clues to ponder and determine an interpretation after the, after the credits roll. Because that's what he wants you to yeah. do. Like when you read about it, he wants you to like develop your own interpretation, go yeah. as weird and wacky as you want. Because that's what he does with his stuff. And for context, for anyone who hasn't like gotten the beefed up DVD of this, there <laughs> yeah. are literal clues like. Yeah literal like i forget what he calls them but we looked him up afterwards and i was like i don't know i was just like what the because it's just like all these little things that you don't think about when you're watching the movie and then you think back on it like once you read the clue like the ash like think about the ashtray the Mm -hmm. key and the whatever like all these little things that like you're like oh gosh yeah that does mean something yeah like you don't think about it and it showed me like zoom in on something and you're like okay it just zoomed on something weird but you don't think about it yeah yeah it's and just I, it's so good i think like with what i said earlier and with what you just brought up again was like the forced thing i think is that in the beginning it is forced in a way because it's it's like a false reality of yeah. what naomi watts character kind of like wants yeah it's like perfection in her mind so the way that she talks is this like really perfected like sweet innocent like Mm -hmm. thing because like that's what she wants it to be well she's also kind of playing that part of that version of the character the way you would see a character like that in a movie from the 50s or the 60s yeah yeah exactly because it's all part of the dream yeah it's this like dream it's just this it's a weird fever dream yeah kind of movie (laughs) and it's ever since I've seen it for the first time. It stuck with me so much. I, I've thought about it a lot, and I just can't get enough of it. But yeah, Mulholland Drive. That is my number two. Um, what's your number two? Hmm. My number two is Come on, Shrek. Y'all. And I saw her face. <laughs> now I'm a believer. Well, for obvious reasons, I chose Shrek because my name is Fiona and I'm never <laughs> Shrek. I'm just kidding. No, um, again, I mean, this entire list of for me is like what movies were nostalgic for me growing up yeah. and what movies this is a like, big one for that. Be, it kind of stuck with me. And I will say I'm like nostalgic towards Shrek because I did watch it as a kid growing mm. up. But I also grew up with um, rowdy people in elementary school who (laughs) always asked me like little things about you know my name and you know being an ogre and stuff like that so i'm like slightly like trauma bonded to this movie and um so i just i love this movie i think it's great i think i mean i love mike myers as like the voice actor behind shrek i think he plays the character really nicely and eddie murphy obviously as donkey yeah and then cameron diaz as fiona i mean like all these great actors i mean playing these characters i would never put them as like i would never think of like cameron diaz playing like voicing a you know ogre but you know there she is yeah um I think this movie's great. I think for what it was at the time, like in 2001, it's mm-hmm. a great, I mean, it's great animation. Like it's a really fun movie to watch. And I think it's like really fun to just like see such a like interesting 
depiction of such a funky fairy tale. It's like matching all the fairy tales together yeah. and then putting an ogre as the main character in it, which is so funny. It's like flipping all those like Disney movies on it, their heads. And then um, a little fun fact about this movie is that um, so I didn't learn this until recently. Like, I mean, since I, I mean, I say recently, I think it was I was in like a high school or something. But um, I grew up watching Black Sheep and like um tommy boy and stuff like that with my mom and tommy chris <laughs> farley was supposed to be the original voice of shrek really yep um and so they actually recorded a little bit with him but he died before oh. they could finish it he died in 1987 so they started recording i mean they started this movie a while before it came out yeah um and so after uh chris farley died mike myers replaced him which i feel like mike myers is a better choice i would never like i can't imagine chris farley i can't either I can't, that's why i was kind of surprised i feel to like learn chris that. farley would have brought a different feel to the character like it would have been a lot more goofy and a little yeah. bit funnier and mike myers is like this you know deep burly like scottish like angry yeah. well, character anytime i think of chris farley i think about the van down by the river yeah. skit from yeah. snl i think about little or fat guy in the little coat you know no tommy boy oh oh well i haven't seen that oh, in like okay so long Anyways. so i don't remember much about moving it. on but yeah <laughs> um shrek is great i i think there's just so much to like about it i think i too am like an onion um i have layers and i think that there's like something funny about all the different little spots and all these like character interactions and you know lord farquaad and yeah how he also kind of made a resurgence on tiktok i mean he made some like people made jokes about the bob and like his like weird little bob and stuff like that i think like there's just something fun about the movie i mean i love that like it takes these you know characters that we all kind of grew up with like you know sleeping beauty or i don't know sleeping beauty is in the first one but like the three little pigs and the like and like red riding hood and all of this stuff and like taking these characters and you know tossing in these like two misfits of like a donkey who talks and um, an ogre and it's just like fun to see like these movies kind of like take what we had as our childhood and like add some like flair to it yeah i like the soundtrack a lot oh yeah soundtrack's cool soundtrack's great i didn't grow up with this one either like you did i grew up with a lot of animated movies this wasn't I don't know why this wasn't really one for some reason. I also like for me this movie was like I grew up with it, but I cannot remember first watching it. I don't remember where I was. Mm -hmm. I feel like it wasn't at my mom's house and like I just it was one of those movies that just kind of like fell on like fell on me because it was like my name was Fiona. Um Yeah. I really need to trademark my name apparently because it's just like Fiona <laughs> Elsa. But um there's just something about it, you know. I love like nostalgic movies, yeah, as seen in my other picks. But and we'll see in another one. Yeah, and I just think that there's something like kind of nice about this movie. It's funny. It's got like a bit of laughs. It's got some sad parts. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got like your goofy part. It's just great. Yeah. I I can't speak to it too much because I've seen it and I've seen it a couple times. But it was when I did, it was like background kind of thing. Yeah. You and I watched it once, I think, while we were like doing Legos. Yeah. Or something. And Always I just doing Legos. Yeah. And I, I stop. couldn't pay attention to it. <laughs> but I also watched it once. This is a really weird story. But I I don't think I told you this. But 
originally when I was going to go um, to undergrad, I was going to go to a different college that I ended up at. And the like the weekend before, there was this like event I had to go to, and this is before like I dropped out of it immediately, switched to another one like really quickly, and it was an overnight thing. And the next morning, we were all having to like huddle in this room waiting for something. I don't remember what we were waiting for, but we we're like a holding room, and they just turned on Shrek for us. I was like, quality. I was like, I'm going into college, and they're turning on like a G-rated movie. Like, what is this? It's quality but, entertainment, McNeil. And I don't remember if that was even the first time I saw it because I feel like I had when I watched it then I remember thinking I've seen this before, and so I also can't remember when I watched it for the first time or where I was. I just know I've seen it, but it's never like stuck in my mind for some reason. Like I couldn't tell you a line from the movie. I couldn't give you a scene and how it plays out. I could tell you some songs in it, and I can tell you some characters' names, and that's about it. Yeah. But for whatever reason, I just never grew up all that attached to the Shrek franchise. Yeah. I love it. I mean, gosh. I mean, again, it's the origin. Yeah. The it's beginning. the first one. There's a, no, I didn't even realize there that. There are four. Four first. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the Princess Diaries is the first oh, yeah. of two. Yeah. Yeah. Four favorite. I mean, four firsts on wow. my favorites. Yeah. Serendipity is the only one without a sequel. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. But don't get me. I think also like with this, it's like I love the first one. I love Shrek 1, yeah. but Shrek 2 is where it's at. That movie's great. That one's my favorite. But Shrek 1 is, again, just like setting up the like entire like series very nicely. Yeah. And I love like just like all the characters are so funny and like, I gosh, gosh, it's so cool. Yeah, that's my, my number two. Number two. All right. Woo. My number one is Donnie Darko. Um, it's interesting to have to do this, like, usually when I do some of these episodes, because I haven't recorded them, like, entirely in order, but so when I've done some of the other ones, like, people don't know, but, like, you know what my I number know one is. I know all yours, so, yeah. but we're always but that's together. In, that's, that's inevitable, why. so, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Donnie Darko is, like, a cult classic that I think is to the test of time really well. It's directed by Richard Kelly and stars Jake Gyllenhaal, Jenna Malone, Drew Barrymore, um, Beth Grant, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Patrick Swayze, a ton of people in this movie that just kind of randomly pop up. And I remember when we watched it, when I showed it to you, you were like, this person's in this movie too? And I was like, yeah. It was um, like, you turn the corner and then you're like, <gasps> you're like, what? And then you turn the corner again and you're like, <gasps> yeah. And then you turn the corner again and you're like, what the? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Donnie Darko is uh, the perfect combination of my two favorite genres, science fiction and psychological thrillers. I And I, and I think... That's just such an interesting combo. Um, it's one of those movies where every time I watch it, it gets better. I think I've seen it five or six times over the course of about five years, I think. So I've watched it probably on average like once a year, I would say, which is yeah. a lot for me. Um, it follows the story of Donnie Darko, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, who sleepwalks one night to a local golf course where he sees a giant demonic bunny rabbit named Frank who tells him the world will end in 28 days. That sounds crazy. Like on just on paper, that sounds ridiculous, but it's, it, it's just so cool. 
Um, when he returns home, he finds a jet engine has crashed into his bedroom. Um, and from there, the story takes many wild twists and turns that are both entertaining and shocking. I think Donnie Darko, kind of like Mulholland Drive, has a very distinct, mysterious mood, um, unlike anything that I've seen. And um, I think Richard Kelly, the director, does such a great job with the world building that's darkly quirky, but also unsettling at times. The story is constantly teetering between Donnie Darko's mental illness and the information the narrative gives about parallel universes, which is kind of how it's balancing the psychological thriller aspect with the sci-fi aspect. But it's also a very phil- philosophical movie, and I love movies that get really deep into like a, into, into philosophy. Um, the score, I think, is also very chilling and haunting, and I think Michael Andrews does a great job enhancing the, the feel of the film yeah. with his music. Plus, his version of Mad World at the end with Gary Jules is amazing. It's my favorite iteration of that song. It's so good. Um, I will say this, and not everybody agrees, but the only way to truly experience uh, Donnie Darko is by watching the director's cut. It adds about 20 minutes more worth of footage. It dives deeper into the philosophical and scientific concepts that flesh out the lore of this world. I just think it's incredible. Yeah. And that's, that's... the stuff that I really like in it. I do really like the psychological stuff too. And I was a psychology undergrad or I was a psychology major. So like that stuff really appeals to me too. But I subscribe more to the sci-fi side of the, uh, the two different ways you can interpret this movie. I think the, the time travel and parallel universes stuff makes a bit more sense with just the way things play out. So yeah. that's, that's more of my interpretation with it. But um, you seem to be a bit indifferent towards this movie, which is fine. It was another movie where I was like, what the? I just yeah. like, I think with me, I want by the end of the movie to have some sort of like conclusion. Yeah. Whether it be kind of a vague conclusion, like I'm fine with a slightly vague conclusion. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I don't like open ended movies. And I think for me, that was what. Donnie Darker was and also with Mulholland Drive it was just like open-ended and that's what of. I love I, I love that in a movie it makes me like I need to itch my brain because um, you you want it to like wrap up in a nice bow and tie it almost. well not even that I don't care if it's a nice bow I think it, it can be uh, a little bit messy yeah, yeah I yeah. just think I need some sort of like slightly tied a little bit loose thing and I think with Donnie Darko what I struggled with was like figuring out what happened because like i think in my mind i knew what was going on and i i think i kind of guessed it in a way at the end but i was still kind of left like wondering if this was actually what happened and i mean i think it was just something i i felt like kind of sat with me for a while and maybe that's the point of it and i think that's a great like ending to movies to get it to like sit with the person for a while but i think also like i just kind of like ended up being like whoa like all right uh but yeah i i didn't like love it but i didn't hate it either yeah i love this movie it's when i first watched it it wasn't it didn't it wasn't immediately all-time favorite for me i did really really like it but it's one of those movies there's a few movies in like i would say my top 10 which johnny darko is that after a few times of watching it it kind of i just kept thinking about it and it slowly crawled into that like all-time position for me and 
it's just one that like I recommend it to everybody. And like you haven't seen Johnny Darko, you gotta yeah. watch it. It's just so weird and wacky, and it's just it's the type of weird and wacky that's right up my alley. Because there's a weird and wacky that a lot of people like that's kind of campy, and that's not me at yeah. all. Like this is like kind of dark, weird, and wacky, and I like that. It's yeah, definitely. Fun. I think with this one and with Mulholland Drive, it'll be ones that I have to like rewatch. Yeah, it definitely, they definitely won't like encroach on my top 10 or any top of yeah anything. and i didn't expect it to no yeah. but i think it, i might end up liking it more after i watch it a second time and it might be with donnie Tucker that i have have to do that and with maholland drive because it's just like you seem to be hooked into the story at least of donnie darko yeah. until the end well it's like interesting and i want to know more about it but it's also like i watch movies as like kind of a an escape in a way i mean like and you mm. do the same thing we're like but our versions of escapism escapes are, are different, different. yeah, yeah. <laughs> when i watch a movie i want to fully escape and to be left conclusion and like fully yeah wrapped up i mean and it doesn't have to like i said it doesn't have to be a perfect wrap up it just it be a little be messy a little yeah. messy of a wrap up is fine but i have like i feel like in my mind it's like a million things at a minute like going on it's like ping pong yeah, balls yeah, yeah. just like bouncing around so like for me when i watch a movie it's just like it needs to be something that i could put on mm-hmm. i don't have to pay attention to i don't need to pay attention to the details or see these like little things and like there are movies that i like that are kind of detail movies like yeah. things that you really need to pay attention to but yeah like most of my movies that i like are movies that like are watched in the background mm-hmm does not require any brain power yeah so for me in order to for it to be escapism it's like it has to require brain power because that's the only way i can escape yeah my my brain's always moving with something in it and so like if it's just something where i can't pay attention or where it doesn't really require me to pay that much attention then i'm not going to pay attention to it at all and i can't escape yeah like something like this where i i am fully invested i don't want to pass the time by looking at TV kind of and like occasionally scroll up my phone because I'm getting kind of bored. That's not escapism to me. If I can, if it can leave me thinking about the, the story and the details and whatever ambiguity it has in it, that then, then the escapism was achieved for, for me. And some people say that's not escapism. That's just like homework or, or something. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's just not, I don't view it as homework. To me, it's just fun. It's like a giant puzzle, and I loved puzzles as a kid. I don't do them as much, but and I yeah. grew up doing Legos, and you do Legos, yeah, and, and now I love, love Legos. Legos. So, so uh, for yeah, I think we have like differing opinions, but mm-hmm. you have like you want it to like capture your entire attention. Yeah, I want a movie that like doesn't capture my entire attention mm-hmm. because I want to do something else while I'm watching a movie. And like, I think if to, you watch me watch a movie, I mean, I do Legos during a movie. And I, you can pay attention. I, and I don't know how you do it. I play a board game yeah. while watching a movie. I play my phone. Like I'm on my phone while I watch a movie because. And you pick up on more details than I do. And I'm like, how? <laughs> because I'm able to like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's crazy. I, and I, I also think with when I watch a movie, it's just like, I like the background details. Like what's happening in the background yeah. of this scene. Because I've, I've noticed learned, that you pick up on a lot of background details that I don't pick up on. Like I'm looking well, at like the focal point generally. Yeah. Because I've learned that like with some of these movies that I like, I mean, and I don't, I can't have a direct and like, you know, reference right now, but like with some of the movies I like, 
there are things in the background that are so important that like I just never picked up on when I was watching them the first time or the second yeah. time or the third time or the fourth time. But like once I like read about it or I s- saw something on social media or on like some news site, I it's just like I'm like, oh, you're kidding. Yeah. I'm like, so I think with me and I'm also like, like you said, a detail oriented person. Yeah. Like, the details are important mm-hmm. at just as much as the big picture. So like when I look at some, like when I watch these movies or when I see these things, it's like, I, I need to be doing something like when I'm like watching these, like with my hands, I need to be like doing something so that I can kind of mm-hmm. like have like something kind of capturing my like attention. I think you and I kind of sum up the two different types of movie watchers. Generally speaking, there's more than just that, but like, like for me, I want something that's more complex. It has a lot of layers and I can kind of like peek behind the curtain without the curtain actually having to be opened at all. Like I can go back there and take a look and that was a weird analogy. But (laughs) for you, like you just kind of want it, like the curtain's all the way open and you just kind of want to see it. Yeah, I want to see everything. Whether, I mean, I think with some of my movies, like they are a bit more vague than others and they might take longer to like, come to fruition but like with a lot of my movies i want there to be like this curtain and it just like is pretty much wide open but yeah with donnie darko it's a type of movie where like the the curtain is closed so (laughs) and and i and i enjoy the like let's take a look behind it kind of thing but yeah enough about donnie darko and that tangent but uh most importantly what people are eagerly awaiting (laughs) who probably have figured it out Probably. But what is what's <laughs> what's your number one? My number one is my favorite movie, probably of all time, and that's not an over exaggeration. I love this movie, Lord of the Rings: The Fellowship of the Ring. There we go. The background story of the Lord of the Rings. Again, an origin story. Yeah. I love it. Um, I love every part of this movie. I mean, I could go on like an hour long like rant about oh, I it. I bet you can. Yeah. Um, I love every single freaking part of this movie. Um, the music, amazing. Um, yes. The Howard Shore's score amazing. is a masterpiece. Yes. The song that just played. Concerning Hobbits. Yes. One of the best tracks in any movie ever. Yes. Um, I mean, starting off, I want to say that if you don't watch the extended edition of these movies, then you're missing out because it doesn't give you too much more, but it gives you like just to like sprinkle more mm-hmm. background information in the beginning. Like, I mean, you have Galadriel like voicing over this like, you know, epic saga of the ring of power. And like, it's just great to hear. So like, if you don't watch the extended edition, you miss out on a couple little things, not too much, but like enough to where I'm like, okay, you need to watch the extended edition. But um, we start off with the backstory of the ring. I mean, great backstory. So interesting. And then you like flip a switch and you basically are in like, you're in Hobbiton. Like you're in like freaking, gosh, I want to live in a Hobbit Hill. (laughs) 
I think I could fit. I think it'd be awesome. I think it would be amazing. I want to go to New Zealand so bad. Um, that would be my dream trip. If anyone wants to give me the money, hit me up. Um, because I her Venmo is no, I'm just kidding. No, yeah, my Venmo is. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, I just I love this movie. I think like starting off with the Hobbits and like seeing these like I mean these people who have like no under I mean no to be honest like no worries like they're just like mm-hmm. happy and like yeah. you know there's just something I mean and then they're seeing, in heaven yeah and then seeing Gandalf come and see how loved he is oh gosh. Uh, I love this movie so much. <laughs> I'm going to cry. Um, again, it's another movie where I watched it as a kid growing up. I I was watching these movies when I was like four. Mm-hmm. I feel like a fo- uh, definitely, definitely a four-year-old should not be watching these movies. But, you know. Yeah, not quite yet, I guess. YOLO. Um, <laughs> I turned out fine. Um, I think... Um, I think the first one definitely is the tamer of the three in terms of gore. So yeah. I think yeah. we're starting off on a good start. But I did watch all these when I was like four or five. And I watched all the extended editions when I was four or five. My mom, my dad and my mom had the box set, like the big old box set. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love these movies. It, it takes me back to like, you know, being in my basement with a bowl of spaghetti watching these movies. Um, I think they're just great. And I, I mean, I love the first one because you see all the different like moving pieces like you see the beginning of everything like you see the beginning of Saruman becoming bad I mean it's just it's so interesting and seeing him like cut down all the trees around his like you know tower and like you see like the Urukai like coming and like I mean it's just so interesting like I could talk about it for ages and you see the elves and you see how men are like kind of this tension ridden um creature like and how they kind of feign over overpower and like how all of them kind of are obsessed with the ring Mm -hmm. but seeing like the internal struggle of boromir alone like and how he finally like at the very end is able to like like reflect on it and be like frodo like i've betrayed frodo like he says this to aragorn and like I mean, and the entire time Aragorn and Boromir are kind of like butting heads because, yeah. I mean, Boromir knows that like Aragorn is the true king. And so it's just like at the very end, seeing Boromir finally like accept it and take like and realize that he needs to like, I don't know. It's just so like endearing. Yeah. And then like seeing the friendship and the bond that they all have, like that they go after Merry and Pippin when they were taken from by the Urukai. Like it's just so good to see and seeing like you know, Gandalf, you know, the love that they have for Gandalf, like when he falls, like I just, it's, oh God, so good. And then Sam like swimming after Frodo at the end, like, and him like almost drowning and Frodo saving him. And then Frodo saying, I promised I wouldn't leave you. Tears, literal tears. I can see him coming right now. I like, I'm so emotional about this movie. I think that there's just something so, so nostalgic about this movie with yeah. me. Like, it's just so good. It, I mean, it tugs at my heartstrings. Like, yeah. I'm a very emotional person. Like, that's just a given. Mm-hmm. But this is one of those movies that, like, I mean, when we first started dating, I was watching this movie. On loop. On loop. Like, yeah. first one, second one, third one. First one, second one, <laughs> third one. I was and going, repeat. And repeat. And then I think the end, the first one also, like, ending it with an Inya song. I love Inya. Here's a little clip of it. 
my mom um, listened to Inya growing when I was growing up. It took me through, I mean, every part of my childhood. I remember riding in her like, you know, maroon red like Toyota, listening to Inya, and so Inya ending this movie is just like the perfect. And she wrote the song. For yeah, the she movie. wrote the song for the movie. I think all of her songs are beautiful, but this one especially. Mm, so good. So good. Like. So good. May it be. May it be. I think um, there's just something so sweet about, like, I think every single aspect of this movie. Yeah. I mean, I've talked about it probably for, like, 10 minutes already. I mean, I could talk about it for another, like, you know, hour. I yeah. mean, we could just go on and on and on. We could I do mean, a whole podcast. Yeah, I could talk about this forever. Yeah. You know, if you want me to. <laughs> I guess I can talk about it a little bit. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I didn't grow up with Lord of the Rings also, like all your other franchise picks in, in your in your list here, like Shrek and yep. Harry Potter. I grew up there's a good chunk of franchises I did grow up with, but specifically the only ones that you have for this episode are the ones that I didn't grow up with. Which is so weird. Um but anyway, I, I did watch them for the first time about five years ago, I think. Um I have a deep respect for these movies and I'm glad I did eventually come around to them. I think Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings is the best example for successful world building. Everything in the lore Absolutely. and the storytelling is just done wonderfully. And I think specifically the Fellowship of the Ring feels like a true adventure. Mm-hmm. And it feels like we are side by side with these characters on the on their journey. Everything is so captivating. And I think in hindsight, a lot of that is because of the practical effects. Um, and I wish movies would could still be made like this today. But they, they don't make them like this anymore, which is... You know, oh well, we'll get to that towards the back end of this, of these episodes that we're going to be doing for this podcast. But anyway, each setting is brought to life perfectly by the set designs and you just find yourself in a trance in every shot and the cinematography is just beautiful. I think the characters are all, are all each developed so well. My, my favorite being Gandalf and Aragorn being a close second. Um, but that moment when all the characters come together and they're like officially announced as the fellowship, I think it's just so cool. Like it's such an iconic moment. Yeah. Um, and then we talked about Howard Short's score, pure magic. Beautiful. There are so many memorable themes. His like extended versions of the albums are so cool. Yeah. Um, and like I said, concerning Hobbits, one of the best tracks ever composed for film. Um, I think the fellowship of the ring is a, perfect introduction to this yes. trilogy and it has to the test of time as an amazing film and it's a lot of people's favorite i see i see each of these movies being some people's favorite in the trilogy um mine being return of the king but this one like honestly kind of goes back and forth with these two because i like both of them so much i and no no knock on the, the two towers i think helm's deep is such a cool sequence yeah but i, I do like the first and the third one there's something the about them the beginning and the end of like these series i mean yeah and with this one i think like you're introduced to all of the like villains all of the i mean it's just so well done so well done you see everything and like from the beginning being introduced to the nazgul like them like riding into like you know the shire Mm -hmm. and like the fear that's on these people's faces when they see them i mean it's just so interesting and like i mean the tension when I forget what farm it is, like where they fall from like the farm and it's like they fall into the road and Frodo's like, we got to get off the road. Like we need to get off the road. Like it's just, I don't know. (laughs) God, I love these movies. But yeah, 
Yeah. We have a completely different list of top five. We do. Except for Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. <laughs> um, but some other very popular movies that came out in 2001 that did not make either one of our lists, just to shout them out. Doesn't mean we liked them. Doesn't mean we didn't like them either. Um, just some other ones to mention. Monsters, Inc. Very close honorable mention for me. Amelie. The Royal Tenenbaums. Ocean's Eleven. Another solid movie that was almost an honorable almost mention for you. Almost mine, yeah. Legally Blonde. Zoolander. The Fast and the Furious. Which it's so interesting to see how where that franchise has gone today compared Speaking to that movie franchise, back in the day. Yeah, a yeah. uh, first one. A too. lot of firsts came out this year. Yeah, yeah. and a lot Legally of sequels in two thousand and two, yeah. which we'll get into in the next episode. But yeah, interesting observation. Ocean's Eleven and Legally Blonde. Yeah, Bridget Jones Diary, The uh, Others, the, the Piano Teacher, Jurassic Park Three, uh, AI, Artificial Intelligence, Atlantis, Lost Empire, Hannibal. Spy Kids, another first one. Wow, Spy Kids. I know, no, and you said... um Bridget Jones Diary? Yeah. That was another first one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, Vanilla Sky, A Knight's Tale, The Mummy Returns, Rush Hour 2, Pearl Harbor, Black Hawk Down, a solid war movie that was also uh, Ridley Scott got nominated director for, Ali, The Devil's Backbone, Blow, Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, The Man Who Wasn't There, American Pie 2, Gosford Park, Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes, from Hell, The Wedding Planner, and Kate and Leopold. I love Kate and Leopold. I haven't seen that one, but I know you love it. Yes. Um, My mom likes that one, too. Yeah. Shout out, Judy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think that wraps up our conversation today for movies in our cinema in the year 2001. I really enjoyed this. It I was did It was too. a lot of fun. We, it we, was fun to see our <laughs> comparative extremely, lists. extremely different. different yeah. two ends of the spectrum and what was really interesting was this episode ended up playing out just like 2000 the last one because tim and i had uh for the most part pretty different lists my number three was his number one and all the rest of ours were different and that happened again today Yeah. yeah so we'll see if that keeps happening but um but yeah this was a lot of fun i really enjoyed it fiona really thanks for thanks for being here with me today you're welcome. It was great to see you. Yeah, it was great to see you great. too. <laughs> and thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here today. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to 25 Cent Film. We hope you enjoyed your journey through this year of cinema in the 21st century. Leave a comment telling us your favorite movies from this year. Remember to hit that follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to show some love by leaving a rating or a review. It goes a long way in supporting our cinematic voyage. Until next time, let the credits roll.